0: Hi, everyone. This is Anthony Diaz with The Pop Health Show. And this show is for anyone that has a strong passion for making people healthier in this world. I'm really enthused. I'm really excited to have Bob Saunders on the show. No know Bob for some time now. Um, and he's always done some really great stuff. He's always given me some really great advice. So um, I thought he would just be amazing to have on the show, share his experience, his origin story. Um, Bob Saunders is the general partner at... OCA Ventures, and he's also the uh, chairman and co-founder of Accelerate Health in Louisville, Kentucky. Bob, welcome to the show. I'm delighted to be here. Well, thanks for peeling off time to do this and spend time with me to reflect, share what your passions are today in health and and the future of health. And, And along those lines, maybe you can teleport us back, transport us back, or tell us a little bit about the series of events that have gone on throughout your life that have led you to where you're at today? Right, well, I, I guess my,
1: my interest in healthcare investing uh, probably goes uh, back at several decades. Uh, I was a consultant for many years at uh, both the Boston Consulting Group and Bain & Company, and I did work with a number of healthcare clients. Uh, but more importantly than that, in the early 1990s, Uh, or mid-1990s, I became a a general partner of Chrysalis Ventures in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, Chrysalis does an awful lot of healthcare investing, and um, uh, one of my partners at Chrysalis is uh, David Jones, Jr., who uh, was chairman of Humana for many years while we were partners, and uh, through... uh, (coughs) That relationship and the healthcare investing that we did, I became very familiar with lots of aspects of the healthcare system. Uh, I also got uh, about oh, seven or eight years ago much more intimately familiar with the healthcare system when my mother, who uh, was in her 80s, uh, had a fall, broke her hip, uh, went into the hospital. Uh, was discharged and then wound up with a hospital card infection, which ultimately uh, was uh, responsible for her uh, uh, passing away. And uh, shortly thereafter, uh, my dad became uh, incapacitated. And so I hmm. grappled with uh, both the healthcare system, the acute parts of the healthcare system, the post acute parts of the healthcare system. And uh, issues related to uh, hospice and end of life care. So I had a lot of uh, personal familiarity uh, as well as my sort of more uh, distant familiarity as an investor with the healthcare system. And awesome. I have been, uh, for the last oh, seven years, uh, chairman of a uh, healthcare accelerator based in Louisville, Kentucky, Accelerate Health, which works with uh, lots and lots of startups in a variety of healthcare disciplines, and I also run healthcare investing
0: at OCA Ventures as one of the general partners there in Chicago. I love it. I love it, Bob. Yeah, no, well, well, first of all, you know, apologies about, you know, uh, your parents, you know, and, and, and as you've probably heard, a lot of people come on our show, and just obviously, as you see in general, anyone it's always fascinating, anyone that's involved in health always has some sort of personal story, some sort of like defining moments that set a series of refining moments uh to, to you know you know align us to a greater calling as you know i i lost my father you know to heart disease and that was a big catalyst and so you know hero's journey hero's story right you know it's it's always you know some sort of catalyst like that that at unfortunate at the time but obviously it puts you on a you incredible path to grow nurture invest uh companies that have already impacted millions of lives right directly indirectly first and second degree and so really profound you know work in history that you you've done and experience bob can you tell me uh, i guess along those lines can you tell me a little bit about what has you fixated in health today or healthy fixations right so like what 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 excites you in health today what topics and and well yeah
1: so we we have several themes that we uh attention to as we invest in healthcare uh, one of those themes is patient engagement uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and several of our investments relate uh, to issues of patient engagement uh, one is uh, a, another theme is sort of uh, value-based uh, the, the care and its implications uh, and cost cost management um, so we, we're very focused on behavioral health which is uh, critical element of lots of has lots of comorbidities so behavioral health is an area of uh, uh, significant activity for us Um, we're also you know focused on things relating to uh, provider workflow management uh, physician and nurse burnout etc and then uh, I think uh, lots of the recent investment activity that we have uh, pursued uh, it has to do with applications of machine learning to uh, to digital health so our mo our two most recent investments uh, one is a, a beginning of life uh, company uh, which relates to uh, providing guidance for nutrition relative to to uh, neonatal intensive care unit NICU babies uh, and the infant bio and it uses a uh, machine learning to guide uh, practitioners on the specific nutrition uh, program for individual NICU uh, infants. That's a company called Astarte, which is uh, based in uh, Philadelphia. And uh, that was our very first investment out of our new fund, OCA4. And our second investment, or at least our second healthcare investment out of OCA4, was a uh, an end of life company. So we have a beginning of life company and an end of life company, and new fund that, uh, end of life company has to do with, uh, kind of advanced, uh, advanced directives and making sure that the communication of advanced directives through state registries happens in an efficient manner. Mm. And that is a company called Vinca, which, uh, comes out of, uh, which is in the Bay Area and comes out of Stanford University. The founder of that company, in fact, is still on the faculty at Stanford Medical School. So we have lots of themes. Uh, we're interested in, you know, all areas of pain within the healthcare system where there are opportunities for disruptive uh, solutions that, uh, uh, particularly, you know, kind of use uh, uh, digital uh, tools. Mm-hmm.
0: No, I I love it. You you guys are really hitting on some 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 solutions or bringing to market and helping and support some solutions and some big pain points in the industry. Um, It's really exciting what you're doing. I guess along those lines, Bob. I mean, what some of these themes and problems that you're solving in the market with these uh, investments and supporting these companies? Where is it taking us? Where will it take us in the in the future? You know, like what are some of these? what are some of these uh, solutions going to shape up to be, and what, how does that shape the future of health the way that you see it? Well, I mean, I think
1: uh, clearly, and, and I think this is obvious to everybody involved in the health system: the patient and the patient's family have a a, a large and just rapidly growing role in in care uh, decisions and uh, kind of uh, and in, in maintaining health. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that that whole patient engagement theme is really the key to effective healthcare and effective wellness uh, It really depends on the patient more than it does on uh, providers clinicians et cetera mm-hmm. so that that's clearly one that's one of the things that will drive uh, uh, the health system forward in the future uh, I think also being you know critically aware of the Supply-demand imbalance between uh, provider, uh, you know, practitioners and mm-hmm. patients, both in time and in space, uh, matters a lot And we did. Uh, Telemedicine t- is, you know, part of the solution to that problem. But in general, there's a shortage of physicians. There's also a shortage of nurses. You mm-hmm. have because of the growing demands for the providing information into electronic health records. You have increasing levels of reported physician burnout. You also have uh, burnout from uh, other uh, participants in the health system. But physician burnout is a a really serious problem. And one of the answers to that is uh, kind of moving the locus of care further out from the physician to uh, other providers, nurse practitioners in particular, and other uh, participants in the provider ecosystem to become... Ever more important, and also family and, and, and patients become much more important in the decision process, as
0: I already said. I love it. I love it. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of you know, and we're starting to hear a lot more about quadruple aim, where that fourth aim is is you know the physician burnout as well, which is a which is something that's emerging. Um, I, I guess, Bob, you know, what's one thing that's interesting is like you know, healthcare has been around for so long, right? And the way that we've been servicing. Patience has been around for so long. We, yes, we were stuck in a service-based model, but is it just because we're moving toward, towards a value-based model that everyone's getting super serious about focusing on the patient, or are there some other other technology no, processes I, or like what's 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 driving this this new focus, this new excitement? So I think I think value-based care was a, resp-
1: a response to the uh, the underlying problem, the underlying right fact. That we had a healthcare system that was not about keeping people healthy. It was about solving, uh, you know, uh, uh, in a very limited way, uh, the emergence of problems that popped up and had, a, you know, kind of a uh, momentary interaction between a provider and a patient. Whereas, you know, uh, health and focus on health is focused on a much larger picture. And that sort of was what was driving, and we also had growing costs without any real outcome evidence of improved outcomes relating to the growing costs. If you compare the United States, you know, with other parts of the world
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: and, 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 and the, the practical reality is that, you know, value based care is a, is a reaction to that problem. Mm-hmm. The underlying problems are that ownership for uh, of, of healthcare care has to be in the hands of the people who matter most, which is the patients and their families. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Internet has facilitated ever-growing knowledge by the consumer uh, of healthcare, the patient. Uh, and and uh, as a result of the fact that you have uh, the enabling of communications and awareness to patients, and a healthcare system that's overburdened and overextended, there was a need for change. Those things will continue even as value-based care continues to evolve and become much more of what our health system is about than the historic fee-based care system that developed over the several decades after World War II.
0: I love it i love it yeah no it's it's a it's a really interesting phenomenon and and an appropriate response um the the potential of flipping uh us gdp dollars that's been focused on a service-based kind of broken model and then kind of refunneling that into a a more reasonable ratio of focusing on more like social and well-being aspects of human beings especially here in the us is, is is super exciting um you know one thing i i've been noticing a lot and you've been seeing a lot with patient engagement and technologies and ways that we can reach out to patients better, have workflows improve around the patient for the clinician, reduce burnout, kind of hit that quadruple aim is something that that, you know, obviously that, that you and I are, are 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 thinking a lot about these days, and, and so our executives are social determinants of health. Um, how do you think about social determinants of health and, and I guess potentially how do you think about the social factors of of a patient in regards to their well being. What are some well, solutions that you see in this market? If you believe that, yeah, if you believe that social determinants of health are yeah. important to address for patient, well, optimization. well I, I, yeah. I think, as you as you think about the
1: health uh, and, and well being of the U.S. population, clearly uh, a very large part of the population. Uh, in the United States uh, is, is uh, a Medicaid population today was an uninsured or an underinsured population historically mm-hmm. and it, it's kind of almost a no-brainer to understand that if people can't, uh, if you don't have shelter, if you don't have food or you don't have a way to get to the doctor, that's going to impact your health. And so if you think about the social determinants of health, it's, it's diet, it's access, mm-hmm. and it, it's it's physical well you know shelter and uh, you know and, and access to adequate nutrition. All of those things are dramatic uh, impactors of uh, how a, 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 an individual human being's you know kind of um, healthcare trajectory evolves. And so to me, it's 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 almost a no brainer. The solution is not a no brainer. It's how do you solve problems of uh, uh, un, uh, access to food? Well. Clearly, you know, programs by the by the government to make food available, uh, which historically have been administered by the Department of Agriculture, uh, and, you know, and find their way into social welfare programs are, are an important step and those have gotten stressed uh, as we've had budgetary pressures historically. Um, uh, clearly, uh, access to healthcare is a function of, you know, where health care is available and whether or not people have a means of getting to that and uh, aged and disabled populations uh, and people who don't own transportation and aren't close to public transportation uh, or even if they're close to public transportation if they are disabled uh, getting just getting to the doctor is is a serious problem the solution to that are lots of mobility kinds of solutions where the Public takes responsibility for helping to underwrite the cost of getting, you know, uh, uh, consumers to providers Mm -hmm. Uh, and then shelter. I don't even know the answer to shelter. I don't know what you do. We've got an ever-growing homeless population in the United States. Right. uh, And every major city in the United States is experiencing that. And i don't know what the answer to that is
0: yeah that's a that's an interesting dynamic one right that sounds like it feels like we're an algorithm away from even understanding the dimensions there because of the interwovenness of of mental health right um you know mental health right. special needs um and, and there's a lot going on there i know we've, we've gone through some of those dimensions from a behavioral health standpoint um, lots of different philosophies all across the country on how we tackle that problem. Probably too much for, for this, uh, this episode, uh, Bob, but, um, I guess, you know, you, you, mentioned some critical points on patient engagement and the interwovenness of social determinants of health. And you mentioned a lot of loops and workflows. Do you, do you see us technology or what need, what else needs to happen over the like, well, well, next years, that, you know, that, to close those loops, you know? Yeah.
1: Well, I think technology is uh, an important part of the answer. It's mm-hmm. not by any means the, 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 the sole answer, but technology right. is certainly an important answer. I, I mean, one, one observation I will make is that a large part of the Medicaid population today mm-hmm. has access to uh, smart mobile devices. And Mm -hmm. that creates the opportunity for patient engagement in a way that it wouldn't have existed 10 or 15 years ago. Uh, We have a company uh, that uh, is in California, uh, a company called Impulse, Mm -hmm. which um, works with Medicaid populations in, in California and throughout the United States. And has had a lot of success in engaging with Medicaid populations using Uh, text messaging driven by an AI engine to uh, communicate and sort of understand uh, a little bit about the the personal individual elements of the communication. So whereas most text messages are, you know, sort of pushed out and, you know, they're the same for everyone, this contextualizes the message and it uh, it uh, also senses uh, kind of the psychological elements in the communication back and tailors the nature of the communication and has had great success in creating uh, significant upticks in patient engagement in populations that are viewed as you know pretty difficult populations to reach. So mm-hmm. uh, working with Kaiser Permanente, they have uh, f- uh, recently published uh, articles about how they've been able to impact the uh uh medication adherence for medicaid populations in california
0: mm-hmm. and that's
1: you know that's a pretty hard population to reach and to effectively demonstrate significant uh, statistically significant outcomes is you know uh, pretty mm-hmm. important and uh, uh kind of br- groundbreaking and, and uh you know i think that's part of the way you sort of work to uh, uh solve issues uh, around patient engagement of populations that are typically underengaged.
0: Love it, I love it. Yeah, no, I'm super big fan of what Impulse is doing, and and, and that's a that's a powerful impact they're making with Kaiser, which is, is literally just right down the road for me. But you know, and it was also really exciting to see that you know uh, Bernard Tyson over at Kaiser, you know, announced this new program to expand you know this type of work that they're doing, but expand to go deeper on social determinants of health resources, right, for their 12 million members. And so, I you know when I, when a system like that is doing what they're doing with companies that you are personally working with, Bob. That's really that's really powerful and exciting, and then it sets the it's it, it paves the way for obviously other systems <laughs> to follow suit because obviously a, a lot of people look at systems like Kaiser, Intermountain, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, for for what's a true north, right? And so, right. Um, so no, super exciting, Bob. I guess I want to be sensitive to your time. This is I could jam out with you all day long about health, <laughs> well, I but I want to be down sensitive to your time. Yeah, so. I,
1: but, I've got a, I've got a couple more minutes and then unfortunately I, I've got a commitment that I have to jump. no
0: worries no worries a couple more minutes is is just enough to kind of just you know top us off here Bob what else what's the optimistic version of health in the future what else are we missing what else do you want to see happen what else what do you well, see happening I, I, I think
1: that um, sort of uh, kind of the emergence of uh, telemedicine and Uh, a regulatory framework that embraces and enables telemedicine and the use of uh, uh, non-doctor clinicians and practitioners to help deliver that is a way that we sort of much more dramatically expand the availability of healthcare and solve the supply demand imbalance of healthcare in the the United States. To me, it's a no-brainer and it's happening and, 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 and that is absolutely the future. I don't see healthcare being delivered twenty years from now, the way it has historically been delivered uh, in the twentieth century in the United States, which is the individual patient going in the, to the physician's office, waiting, you know, an hour, an hour and a half to see a, a medical doctor, spending ten minutes with the doctor and leaving—that's not the future of healthcare in America. So mm. It will be dramatically different over the next decade or two.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm right there with you, Bob. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, well, thank you, thank you for sharing that, Bob. And then, um, and and I'm I'm right I'm right there with you. It's really exciting to see that you know you're you're making contributions and have been for a while for the future of health, investing in companies, voting with your dollars, but supporting these companies and nurturing them and growing them and advising them and. And, and funding them, right? You know, they're important They're important solutions in this marketplace, and it's, it's exciting to see the change happening. Bob, what's a great way for people to interact with you directly or through social media, if you would like well, to get those two yeah, things to occur? Well, the,
1: the, I, I, I'll, uh, I, I am not an active participant in social media because I get overwhelmed every time I try and engage in social media, but I'm happy to share my email address, bob at ocaventures.com. Or Bob at acceleratehealth.com. Either of those uh, email addresses will reach me, and I'm more than delighted to try and respond pretty quickly to people who uh, reach out to me through either uh, OCA or Accelerate Health.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Bob, thanks so much for making time. I know you got to run, but this was really exciting to dive deeper with you on your background, which I really enjoyed and, and, and have never heard after knowing you for, for a little bit now. Um, so it was exciting to hear that, your, your, what you're working on today, what has your passion captivated on, and your version of health and uh, of the future, which is super exciting. This was great, Bob. Thank you so much for your my, time. Yeah, My, my pleasure.
1: Delighted to, uh, to chat.
0: Thanks so much, Bob. Much appreciate it. Great. Take care. Thank you. All right. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye.